0: Penn State is set to hire Marcus Haggins as the next wide receivers coach. And all I can say, this is a huge boost for recruiting.
1: You are locked on Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Thanks for making Locked On Nittany lines your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And today's episode is sponsored by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. That is fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. My name is Zach Seiko, your host, and Marcus Haggins is going to be the next wide receivers coach and offensive recruiting coordinator and it's a huge boost for recruiting. We're going to talk about that in the opening segment here. Uh, then get into Penn State wrestling as they beat Michigan and Michigan State. It's just not fair anymore when it comes to Kale Sanderson and the Nittany Line wrestling team. And then we'll wrap it up and uh, bring on Adam Sheets, Penn State men's basketball insider, to talk about Micah Shrewsbury. And the Nittany Lions, as they are fresh off of a win against Nebraska. And they get to take on Rutgers here coming up as a very important quad one win. If they can get it, we'll discuss some recap the last game and break down the one that they got coming up in Piscataway. But Marcus Higgins, this is what everyone's excited about. Uh, I'm really excited about this move. Uh, and one that I didn't see coming, but I, I will explain it. I mean, it, it's a huge boost for recruiting. The, the bottom line is, Penn State had an agenda. They set out to do this and they wanted to go get somebody that was going to basically help them boost an area that they're already pretty sound in, right? Virginia started to become a better place to go get prospects. uh, But why not add reinforcements uh, if you feel that you can get better in that place? So the seven, five, seven is where everyone is constantly referring to with Haggins It's the area code of, uh, The the local area that he's affiliated with, again, born and raised, I mean, he's just going to anchor the Virginia area where Penn State has already seen these gains. He's a likable coach, very likable coach. Uh, But I I never would have expected Penn State to get Marcus Haggins because Haggins eats, sleeps, breathes Virginia. He's a UVA legend. Uh, Born and raised in Hampton, Virginia, as I mentioned. He played quarterback in high school and then back and forth in college. Uh, It was between wide receiver and ultimately started at quarterback his final year. And then he was drafted to play wide receiver in the pros. Uh, he was with the Rams, the Chiefs, the Colts, and the Washington Redskins, who are now the commanders. Uh, and actually was an emergency quarterback for the Rams, if you can believe that as well. Then Haggins became a Virginia graduate assistant in 2011. Makes perfect sense. And then he took over as the wide receivers coach from 2013 to 2022. So this is a not only a big move for Penn State, but a big move for Haggins as well, who has had all the familiarity in the world with one spot someplace that he has been for majority of his life, his entire life uh, outside of when he jumped around the NFL for a little bit. Uh, But it's been Virginia born and raised Virginia football. uh, And then he coached there and, and helped bring up another wave of young men. Uh, So just how good is Haggins? Because this is somebody that, uh, was on the radar for Penn State's wide receivers coach of vacancy, but he wasn't necessarily a top choice. It was kind of the you know we we can name him, but we don't expect him to be there, uh, be one of the main targets, uh, and he ends up being that. Now, if you read what Virginia fans have said and, and people close to the program, I, I mean they're they're upset, not in in a bad way, but just a, remorseful in the fact that. He, he was inspirational of the program. He he's a legend in their minds and it's a home run hire. That's what I've seen. Some people describe this as by Virginia people. Uh, they see this a, as a huge get for Penn state and and just wish him well. He's a great technical coach. Um, very, just very sound at getting wide receivers be better at technique. And if you go through and look at all the wide receiver groups, and I know what a lot of people are going to say, a lot of people are going to say, and we'll get into the drawbacks here, that, oh, well, he doesn't have a long list of NFL-caliber players uh, to go along with what he was able to accomplish at Virginia. So is, is he really that good? We'll get to that in just a second. But he's a great technical coach. He, he helps you get better. All the all the people that he coached up will will attest to that. And he's a coach that everybody loves. Uh, everybody loved him from the wide receivers that were in the room to just everyone that was around him. Like He's a very likable person, and I think that's something that Taylor Stubblefield wasn't hated, but maybe he wasn't good at, at as good at developing those kinds of player to coach relationships as, as some people might see. So this is kind of a direction that Penn State is going in, where they want someone who's more than just X's and O's. They want someone that builds player relationships that. That is a people person. And that's exactly what you're getting in Haggins. Nobody, nobody hates this individual. So Haggins is a great technical coach. He's a coach that everybody loves, respects. uh, And he's also got a lot of connections to the Virginia area as go figure, right? Uh, But he's close to Michael Vick. He's close to Allen Iverson. He's close to Ronald Curry. And that is going to bode well for Penn State as they continue to try to make inroads towards the the general Virginia population rather than specific areas. So here's the drawbacks that uh, people are going to ask about and say, well, he doesn't have the, enough players in the NFL. It's uh, Olamide Achaeus is pretty much the only guy that comes to mind for the track record behind Haggins here. Uh, undrafted, but a good career so far with the Atlanta Falcons, still in his mid-20s uh, with the team. Uh, he's been kind of a rotational receiver, a depth piece, but you've seen him. Uh, at, he had a great career at Virginia, and that's a testament to Haggins. Uh, but the reason why there were so many dr- that there can be drawbacks, and people might say, "Well, Haggins, we don't know that he has it." Uh, Virginia's system, the way that they operate, didn't allow for Haggins to necessarily reach his full potential. The way that they recruited, the style of teams, so. That's kind of like saying, let's take, for example, the, the late great Mike Leach. Okay. Uh, Mike Leach is a pass first pass heavy offense with the spread system that he ran down at Mississippi state and all those other places. So, but, but can you expect the running backs to just absolutely overwhelm you at Mississippi state? That's kind of the same thing here. If I can draw that comparison for Virginia, Virginia's uh, teams, they recruited different. uh, They were built, they were run first. They were option heavy. So the resources that were poured into wide receiver and pass catcher uh, weren't necessarily a top priority. Um, and and then with that being said, you know I think Haggins now comes into a good place where he's going to get that support. He's going to have the Penn State brand. He's going to be able to attract wide receiver. and we've already seen early on that Haggins has already made some good connections with wide receivers who are interested out of the high school level that they're very excited at the prospect of playing for a Marcus Haggins at Penn state. So this is a huge recruiting move. And I'm not sure if Bobby Ingram uh, had an interview or an opportunity. uh, If they went to Haggins first and they said, all right, we got an agreement in place. Let's, let's move forward. It, for me, that's why I had the opinion. It just made sense to bring home a Penn state legend. Uh, Bobby Ingram, great career in the 90s, solid career in the NFL. Uh, and it just why not want him back in Happy Valley, especially with the way that, you know, he's available. And Wisconsin fired its coaching staff. Paul Chris was let go. And it, it just made a lot of sense at the time. Uh, it made a lot of sense in the moment here. Uh, but Penn State clearly had a specific agenda and they wanted to go get a guy like Marcus Haggins. And Haggins is young. Haggins is 40 years old. Uh, so a, a good coach that's going to be able to relate continue to relate to groups of players as they come through and I, I found this interesting we'll finish on this note people were surprised that josh gaddis wasn't hired uh he's currently the miami offensive coordinator former michigan offensive coordinator was the wide receivers coach at penn state and i i don't have an explanation for that like I I can't I can't see why anyone would think that because they were well that should have been Josh Gaddis who was higher. The people were more disappointed. This is similar to Joe Brady. What why on earth would Josh Gaddis return to his old position at Penn State? Offensive coordinator at Miami. Just had a stint at Michigan. He's looking to be a head coach next. Why would he go backwards? And that just didn't make any sense to me. I didn't know this was a candidate that was supposed to be on our radar. I didn't know that Josh Gaddis was supposed to be a serious contender uh, to be the next Penn State wide receivers coach. When he's already done that, why would he come back? So um, I know it's not everyone out there, but I just I, I found that very intriguing. The internet can be a fun place for uh, discourse. It has locked on Nittany Lions, and when we come back, Penn State Wrestling just they don't make it fair. Anymore, they they toppled number three Michigan. They beat up on Michigan State, and we're going to discuss and have some takeaways from both of those dual meets next. And later on, Adam Sheets is going to join me to talk about Penn State men's basketball recent win over Nebraska game coming up against Rutgers. It is locked on Nittany Lions. Today's episode is sponsored by FanDuel. The NFL players are here, and we are really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, and that is FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better because they have so many great features that make sports betting fun and easy. New customers join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance to add a bigger payout with same game parlay on the app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use so football fans don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose. That's all at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Thanks again for making Locked On Nittany Lines your first listen every day. Make sure to go check out the brand new show on the Locked On Podcast Network, and that is Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, you get to hear from big name ex- experts, insiders, coaches, and players. That is Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. My name is Zach Saco. And a huge shout-up, big thank you to helping the YouTube channel get over 800 subscribers. Uh, everyone really seemed to enjoy that the the show that I devoted, the segment to Why Taylor Stubblefield Got Fired. Um, and, and you just you you do a little research, you figure some things out, and I highly encourage people to go check that episode out. Why the Nittany Lions fired Taylor Stubblefield and bring Bobby Ingram back home. But obviously, that's not the case anymore, because now Penn State has Marcus Haggins in the fold. And I'm excited about the addition my preference was Bobby Ingram because it just felt sentimental. But again, James Franklin knows what he's doing. He's targeting that D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, uh, and that's only going make to the, make the grounds a lot better. Um, Penn State will be more successful on the recruiting front. Um, and Marcus Haggins is, just go ask anybody at Virginia, and uh, they're, they're disheartened right now. They, they didn't think they'd lose him. Uh, but on to wrestling, and, and then we'll get into Penn State men's basketball. I mean, Penn State, Kale Sanderson, Bryce Jordan Center, that incredible atmosphere. And you're going to get that again this Friday uh, against Penn State, between Penn State and Iowa. And we'll have Jeff Byers, the voice of Penn State wrestling, back on to preview that one and to recap Michigan and Michigan State from the expert himself. But I'm going to give you some of my takeaways. 30 uh, date win over number three, Michigan. Uh, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Now, I just, did we not tell you? Did Jeff Byers and I not try to tell you if you came to locked on Nittany Lions, you knew this is what kind of match it was going to be. You knew uh, the experts got to love the experts, right? They said this was going to be a close one, that it was going to come down to heavyweight uh, and Penn State won eight out of the 10 matches, which we which Jeff and I expected. Uh, so it it wasn't close. Uh, Michigan obviously jumped out to a good start because they have someone ranked at the lighter weight uh, and Gary Steen is still trying to find himself uh, as a wrestler at 125. He's a redshirt freshman. Um, But he he struggled and Michigan got out to that start and then after that up until heavyweight, Penn State won eight matches in a row and and it was really no contest. Uh, So thank you experts for giving us the prediction that this would have been a one or two, uh, that this would have been decided by Uh, two or three points and just not the case. Uh, My other takeaway include, I mean, Levi Haynes, Alex Facundo, they are the real deal and and Haynes needs to remain the starter. Burn his red shirt. I don't care. Set it on fire. Burn it. Uh, Three to one sudden victory over number 10, Will LaJuan. That is the younger brother of Titans offensive tackle, Taylor LaJuan. If you remember that. Um, And I mean, Haynes just, he's got a fire in him he really just understands it at 18 years old. I mean, he is a true freshman. Now there's the debate. What are they going to do with his redshirt? Because people believe that Penn State doesn't need him to win a national title, a Big Ten title. Um, and I believe that to be true. Now I'm eager to break down Iowa with with Jeff Byers, and, and we'll get into that a little more about what, what Penn State ultimately wants to do with Levi Haynes because they're very close to kind of getting to that point of, do we burn the red shirt uh, because they don't need him? But uh, it might be in their best interest to uh, real to kind of think long term. But that's why the debate is there. And then Alex Facundo with a uh, six to five win. It, it took criteria because number five Cam Amin, who was Miles Amin's younger brother, They went down to the wire, went to tiebreaker, and then Facundo had the advantage in riding time because it was 5-5, to and then then there was that criteria. But both these guys can contend for Big Ten titles. They're going to be All-Americans for sure. Uh, Facundo is a redshirt freshman, so there's no debates about where he's going to be in the lineup. Haynes is kind of this, it's in this little gray area here. But national contention is tough for these guys as individuals, but it's definitely possible. It is definitely possible. They've showed me everything I need to see. Um, and, and in years time, they will be top, top four easily. Um, but right now for as young as they are and to see them succeed as they have, uh, I, I've been very impressed. Moving on my final takeaway from this one, Greg Curtfleet and Mason Paris. They do not disappoint. And it is probably one of the better rivalries in all of college wrestling right now. And, and it's shaping up to be a wild finish in the big tens and the NCAAs and Paris got the win. He won three to one in a decision that tightened the series up. It's now three to two because Kirk fleet had a two match advantage, but now it is Kirk fleet three and Paris two. And this is, I expected this. It's going to flip the rankings. Uh, it was one versus two Kirk fleet versus Paris. And now Mason Paris, since he has the latest win is now the number one ranked heavyweight. And Kirk fleet does drop to two. I mean, the sold out Bryce Jordan center. What is the spectacle to behold <laughs> to behold? Uh, The atmosphere will be even better for Iowa, and some people might ask why Penn State doesn't do this, uh, why they don't go to the Bryce Jordan Center a lot more. A couple reasons. One, tradition, being in rec hall, Um, and then number two, uh, you do have to pay for the Bryce Jordan Center to wrestle there, to participate there. Um, so you, you need the funds, you need to be able to invest in that. Um, they can't just show up and wrestle in the Bryce Jordan center when they, whenever they want, you have to rent the Bryce Jordan center. So I think that's something that has been brought up to me a lot. Well, if, you know, Penn state gets these sellout crowds, why don't they do it more? It's to build that tradition of this is a special moment for special dual meets because I'm not sure if they'd be able to sell out the Bryce Jordan Center for uh, a match against Clarion, for example. Let's just uh, take that one. But uh, it's, it's amazing. It is, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited for Iowa as well. A takeaways from the 34-6 win over Michigan State. Uh, there's some fighting Gary Steen. Uh, you know, just got done saying, you know, Gary Steen w- was having trouble finding his footing. And then he gets a 3-1 to sudden victory over number 24, Tristan Luan. Uh, good to see, and that builds some confidence for the young wrestler. Uh, and then Levi Haynes got the day off. Not sure why he was out of the lineup against Michigan State, and maybe that was to... Preserve the red shirt. Figure out what's going to go on because there is Iowa coming up because people are expecting Haynes to be the starter for that wrestling uh, that dual meet at 157. Uh, Terrell uh, Terrell Bariclaw, uh, lost his job, and if there wasn't the debate for the if there wasn't the debate for Levi Haynes to keep that red shirt, maintain it, uh, Barraclough's done. Uh, I, I think this was his chance to prove himself in a battle with Haynes and, and Haynes could be a little shaken up for all we know. And they're thinking big picture towards Iowa, but a six to two loss for Barra to number 15, chase Saldate, And that's a Michigan state's wrestler. Uh, so that's tough competition, but I just don't know that uh, Barra cloud is better than Haynes at this point. I think Haynes with the way that he's been able to consistently upset top ranked wrestlers, Uh, And we don't know what goes on behind the scenes in the mat room. And Haynes might be dominating there as well uh, between the two. So it's disappointing to see, but I think Barra Clough has uh, taken a step back here and Haynes has come forward. And then, last takeaway from Michigan State is Max Dean is back to his best form Uh, a four to nothing win over number 14, Cameron Caffey. Uh, And Dean, what, what stands out to me about this one is that Cameron Caffey beat him last year. Uh, in this, in a similar stage, it was at Michigan State, but Dean avenged his loss to Caffey from a year ago. And as we remember, he struggled early on, but now he's really settled in, and he's ranked number four. But I think that's, I think that's, uh, that's going to correct itself as we continue to get to the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament. And like I said, to kind of round it all up, uh, it's just not fair. Penn State wrestling is just too dominant. They're now 10-0 and 0 overall. They're 3-0 and 0 in the Big Ten. But number two, Iowa's the true test. You're getting a lot of top 10 matchups. You're getting a lot of top 20 matchups between wrestlers that are good on both sides. And I think these are going to be big tests for guys like Shane Van Ness. It's another test for uh, Levi Haynes and Alex Facundo, the younger guys who are really rounding out this lineup because Carter Storacci and Aaron Brooks and Max Dean. Uh, Greg Kirkfleet's definitely going to have his hands full with Tony Cassiope. But uh, number, number two, Iowa is going to be that true test, and it, it'll be a lot closer. Uh, and Jeff Byers and I will preview it later on this week. Um, But there's really no one else who can challenge Penn State at the end of the day. I think it's just Iowa, not even the number three team in the country. Uh, Michigan came in here and got embarrassed. Um, And other than the lightweight, Penn State's lineup is stacked all the way through. That's what it comes down to. It's Locked on Nittany Lions. My name is Zach Seiko. Adam Sheets, Penn State men's basketball insider, is going to join me to talk about Penn State's win over Nebraska and the game against Rutgers coming up next. Welcome back to Locked on Nittany Lions. My name is Zach Saco and joining me, special guest, the expert as always when it comes to Penn State men's basketball, that is Adam Sheets with Penn State's Com Radio. He is the Penn State men's basketball insider. Adam, thanks for joining me. And now we have the fitting show background
1: so that we don't have to do all the uh, introductions. Oh yeah, great to be here. Great background today too. So, you know, always good time to sit on and talk about Micah Shrewsbury and the Nittany Lions.
0: I made it all by myself, so I appreciate <laughs> it. with the help from Locked On, of course. Uh, they do a great job with mm-hmm. uh, imaging and backgrounds and and graphics. So, uh, but no one came uh, here to talk about production of the show. Uh, they wanted to hear about Penn State men's basketball getting the win over nebraska and that was the coaches versus cancer game so that was uh, very important for the nittany lions to get done um what ultimately did you take away from that one it was a 76 to 65 advantage for penn state uh, andrew funk was lights out it's a quad one win if i'm not mistaken uh and uh, but nebraska still is on the lower side of the big 10 so what do you believe
1: uh, penn state was able to gain from this one They were able to win a game they were supposed to win, which is huge. You know, these are the games. It's not one of those games where you look at like, oh, they won this game. We're going to be sitting there in March looking at the resume like they beat Nebraska at home. But it's a game that you don't now have to look at it and say Penn State lost to Nebraska at home. You got to look at that, maybe holding them back, able to get the win. It was a little streaky. It's kind of been the way they've been this season. Got out to a 10-0 lead early, struggled for the rest of the second half, went in the locker room up six. Nebraska came out with a good game plan early, but then Penn State's offense really got going in that second half, was able to score a lot of points. Down the stretch, Andrew Funk, obviously you mentioned. Seth Mundy got very hot in the second half as well, and that's really what helped them get this win. It seems to be very consistent. When those two are going, specifically Andrew Funk and Seth Mundy, they're one of the toughest teams to beat in the Big Ten because they really open it up for guys like Jalen Pickett, Cam Winner to go inside and make plays on the interior. So when they're able to knock it down from outside, completely changes the way teams have to guard Penn State.
0: Live by Andrew Funk, die by Andrew Funk. That was, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, ultimately, what I've come to at the middle of the season here, right, is that whenever Andrew Funk is unstoppable, I mean, 23 points in that game and and really one of the he is the best three point shooter in the country. The statistics say so. Seth Lundy's number two. Uh, they're interchangeable. So, yeah, for them both to have uh, quality contributions behind Jalen Pickett, now, Jalen Pickett did have seven turnovers. Did mm-hmm. Nebraska somewhat show how to limit him uh, or did he just kind of have an off game from there?
1: I think that was kind of an anomaly for him. He was kind of trying to force some things at times that weren't really there, you know, kind of trying to make that play. Because he is a guy that when his teammates really get involved and get hot, he tries to get them the ball. So when Andrew Funk's going like that or Seth Lundy's got it going, he's going to try to get them the ball as much as he can. Sometimes put him in some tough situations. Had an offensive foul down the stretch of the game near the end of it that kind of gave him that seventh turnover. So he was kind of trying to force plays. It was weird. I was listening to Steve Jones and Dick Girardi talk about it on Penn State's radio call and they kind of mentioned that Jalen Pickett went a month without seven turnovers and had seven turnovers in one game against Nebraska. So Keem seems kind of like an anomaly, like Nebraska did a good job guarding him. But that's not something I don't think other teams are going to bank that Jalen Pickett's going to be so careless with the basketball and have those turnovers game in and game out.
0: I mean – He's sweet. He had a double double, you know, it's not mm-hmm. like uh, at the end of the day, I wasn't like, man, he was, you know, held to whatever uh, a triple single, if you will, uh, for for Draymond Green, as that was said by <laughs> made famous uh, by Jordan Poole, another Big Ten basketball player. But I mean, double digit rebounds, double digit points. So I'm I'm happy with the performance. I just thought it was interesting that he was held off of the assists. And then you know he has about two or three turnovers. That was seven and against a Nebraska team. I, I would expect that against someone like Rutgers, who we are going to talk about in just a moment here. Adam Sheets joining me on the show to talk about Penn State men's basketball recent win over Nebraska from the weekend and the coaches versus cancer game. Thirteen and six overall, four and four in conference. So they're still middle of the pack. Uh, one more player that stood out to me from that game, and now he's got a feature article written about him. Uh, there's some attention on him, and that is true freshman guard Kanye Clary, Adam, uh, who logged 19 minutes in this game. Uh, I was surprised that he's kind of the one that that showed out in this instance. Uh, Evan Mahaffey w- was a little limited. Uh, Kev Ajay, we still haven't seen him light up the box score just yet. But it was Kanye Clary who had somewhat of a surprising performance out of all the true freshmen that are available in this cycle.
1: Yeah, Kanye played really well, and I think that was huge for Penn State. He's a guy that, you know, has a very interesting story with Penn State. Penn State offered him, he was the first guy to commit in this recruiting class to Coach Shrewsbury. wanted to play at Penn State with Coach Shrewsbury. And he's come and he's really embraced his role. He said after the game in the post-game press conference that him and Coach Shrewsbury have always really seen eye to eye on a lot of things. That's kind of really helped him. He's able to go out there. He plays free, normally comes in for Cam winner and other undersized guards, so has a role model on the team, and he's playing alongside a guy like Jalen Pickett, who's going to dominate the ball, where Kanye Clary can really just pick his spots, be himself, get to the basket, look to make plays. And he's a very good defender for his size, so he does a lot of things well that I think Coach Shrewsbury likes. Evan Mahaffey, as you mentioned, he got in foul trouble in this game against Nebraska, fouled out of the game, You know, really was never able to get in a rhythm. He's a guy who plays very aggressive defensively, so if he's in foul trouble, limits what he can do. And Kebajai, he's playing out of position, forced to play the five when he's normally a natural four, so kind of tough for him. He's still trying to like learn the position learn the ropes on a very veteran team as a freshman so you look try to get those two going but kanye clary when he has played this season usually has played really well and he's a guy that if they can get him going and make him a consistent contributor off the bench going to be very huge for them as they end january and get into february and march
0: yeah, Kevajai only logging five minutes he seems to be kind of the I guess the diamond uh, of mm-hmm. this class which I think can be a really impactful class but we're just not uh, in Micah Shrewsbury's system I think people need to understand that this is not your traditional oh, the high school player that comes in and goes right to the NBA they're going to have a little bit of a journey uh, speaking of which I mean this is kind of something that's not even in my show notes but I think about it now is Jamil Brown seemed to be that guy who was going to be more of the centerpiece as opposed to him and Kevajai were interchangeable depending on who you asked, but we have not seen any of Jamil Brown. Do you have any insight into that? Uh, if there's just a learning curve for him uh, or, or if they're trying to preserve a red shirt by chance, what, what is the deal with Brown?
1: Um, Coach Shrewsbury talked about it a little bit because he had some games where he played a good bit and he really came in early in some games where he hasn't. And I think the big thing they've really consistent been is the defensive side of the basketball with Jameel Brown. He's a great shooter, could shoot the ball well. Problem is he's on a team with a lot of guys who could shoot the ball well. So he's really jumbled in with a lot of different guys. And the one thing, Coach Shrewsbury put this upon himself because they chose to heavily focus on offense this offseason. So a lot of the freshmen were behind defensively. So, you know, you see him sometimes out of position defensively maybe not knowing the right read or the way they're going to guard some situations. That's really limited what Jameel Brown can do. He's a guy that has tremendous upside and a guy this program's really looking forward to, hopefully, maybe if it's toward the ends of this season or next season, really becoming a huge contributor for them because he can shoot the lights out. And once he gets that defensive side of the ball, he's going to be a very tough player in this conference.
0: Yeah, that's a very good point. There's a bigger need, uh, literally and and uh, figuratively, uh, about Kebba Jai, who, who's needed in the front court, but uh, Penn State is so loaded in the back court with Jalen Pickett and Funk and Lundy and Dalian Johnson, etc., that there's just not room for Jameel Brown at this point. That's why we bring you on, Adam. Uh, let's pivot to Rutgers now. You know, Penn State, uh, When I looked at the projections, you know, you want to get a a head start uh, because this game isn't until Tuesday uh, when they take on Rutgers and Penn State. Okay, I thought this would be a pretty even game. They're going to be on the road uh, against the Scarlet Knights, and ESPN's only giving them an eight, they're giving Penn State a 20% chance to win this game. That means Rutgers has an 80% chance to win this game. Uh, I'm just not buying it because Rutgers. Checks in at 13 and 6 overall, 5 and 3. Uh, I respect the win against number one Purdue on the road, I, I might add. And they beat them by one point, but I feel like this is a team that Penn State can play very
1: close, yet ESPN says otherwise. And there's a lot going Rutgers' way. I think it's gonna be a very close game. Rutgers is a team that's not that team that just blows anyone out. They had a one point, they had a really close win against Northwestern as well, very similar to the Purdue game. Cam Spencer hit a big shot at the end to win it. For the Scarlet Knights, he's been very good to transfer from Loyola, Maryland, his ability to shoot the ball has helped the Scarlet Knights a lot. Uh, but I think, as you said, there's going to be kind of these matchup things that Penn State's going to have to watch out for. Cliff Omori has been really good inside for Rutgers, something Penn State's going to have to deal with, again, another undersized team that they're going to play a team with a dominant big guy that they're going to have to compete with. and It's always tough to win at Rutgers, one of the toughest places to play in the Big Ten. Penn State has struggled there at times, so it's going to be tough to go there and win. I think they match up well. It's going to be a very similar theme. They have to shoot the ball well, pass the ball well, be strong with the basketball, and play tough defense on the interior. If they do, they're going to be at a close game and give themselves the opportunity to win. It's just going to be they're going to have to knock down that shot. As Coach Shrewsbury said, after Wisconsin, sometimes they just haven't been able to make that shot to win those games, so we'll see. Maybe if they can go and get one that would be another potential quad one win for the Nittany Lions, boost that tournament resume. Damn. Huge week for them with Michigan at the end of the week as well. So definitely an opportunity to go get one in Piscataway, but a lot us to go right. And Rutgers is a very good team. Penn State's not going to overlook them.
0: And, and Rutgers is one of those physical, they're they're an ugly team. Uh, they win these games by by close margins. They they don't score. They, they're they not going to light you up for 80, 90 points. Uh, and, and they really only have, Two really good players. Amori, as you mentioned in the front court, uh, he's the um he's getting you probably ten and ten almost every single night. Ten points, ten rebounds. Uh, he might even I think he's going to get more against Penn State just because they're not as uh, vaunted in the front court themselves. But it's just Cam Spencer, and he shoots at a forty four percent three point clip. But I feel like put Jalen Pickett on him. And then kind of cycle between Seth Lundy and Evan Mahaffey against Amorian. I think Penn State can pull this off on the road. Is it? Is it? How likely is it possible that Penn State does get the win? Even though ESPN says they only win twenty percent of the time.
1: I think they have a good chance to win if they shoot the ball well because Penn State, they're that team that no one knows how to predict how they're going to play because when they shoot the ball really, really well and knock down all their shots, they're one of the best teams in the country. But you have the other thing of when they don't shoot the ball well, they're very vulnerable because they're going to give up a lot of those points inside. They're not going to win the battle in the paint, and they're really relying on that three ball. So if it's not going down, it's going to be tough for them to win. Obviously, as you mentioned, Cam Spencer expects some Seth Lundy on him as well, probably Keba going to get a little bit of Cliff Omori, maybe Miles Dredd being a little more physical. Definitely undersized, but will bang around on the interior with Cliff Omori. Another guy to watch out for, Paul Mulcahy from Rutgers. He's a very good, really tall guard. It's kind of interesting because mm-hmm. Jalen Pickett's a guy who likes to go in the post, do a lot of things down there. Paul Mulcahy's a very interesting guy who's going to probably have him a little bit in this game with a lot more size and physicality that Jalen Pickett's seen at the guard position. So that's a little bit of an interesting matchup there that Rutgers is going to have to deal with a little – over a little taller, more physical team that Penn State's going to play with Jalen Pickett, who likes to go inside at that 6'4 frame.
0: Adam Sheets, the expert himself, insider for Penn State men's basketball, representing Penn State's Com Radio, joining us on the show. Adam, thanks for your time. Uh, For the listeners, though, because we do have, as dedicated as the watching audiences, there is the audio side of it. How can people connect with your work and
1: stay up to date? At Sheets Adam on Twitter, you have a lot about Coach Shrewsbury during the week, during his pre-game press conferences and postgame press conference. That's where you can find everything for this Penn State team.
0: All right, perfect. Adam Sheets, as always, thank you so much. Penn State's going to take on Rutgers, and that is going to be uh, January 24th. That is Tuesday, and tip-off is set for 6.30 p.m. on the Big Ten Network. Adam, can't wait to have you back on to discuss that one next.
1: Yep, thanks for having me anytime, Zach.
0: Thanks again for making Locked on Nittany Lines your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, and that is Locked on College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball all in one place. Plus, you get to hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked on College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. Thank you so much for getting us over 800 subscribers. I really, really appreciate the support. And we'll have a lot of exciting content coming up this week. Like I said, special guest Jeff Byers is going to be returning to the show. We are working on lining up some other special guests as we round out the month Uh, in Penn State, of course, getting Marcus Haggins, and we'll be able to talk about that and discuss his impact more. For all your Penn State football, men's basketball, wrestling news, keep it right here on Locked On Nittany Lions.